This is John Walton, and you're listening to the Power Play Point Podcast with the Blue Liner on Point and Anna Knox. Here's Wilson, and on the right side, Welcome once again to the Power Play Point Podcast. This is your host, the Blue Liner on Point, talking to you live to tape from my humble abode in Glen Burnie, Maryland. And, well, different bit of way of doing things this week, sort of. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but before we get into everything, I just want to uh, remind our listeners that the Power Play Point podcast is the only Caps fan-made podcast that is strong enough for a man, but pH balance for a woman. Anyway, um, it was pretty good week. Another good week for our Washington Capitals. And uh, so they've played three games kind of late in the week. Schedule makers have not been doing us uh, big favors again giving us long layoffs and then cramming games. This one was a back-to-back these last two, including the last last night's game, which I hope everybody enjoyed. Um, because of our um, different format, I'm going to save some time by going over each game, no focus game this week. going to go over each game real, real fast. So the first one of those was this past Wednesday night. It was a 4-3 loss uh, that ended the five-game homestand at Capital One against the Florida Panthers. Um, This was kind of a a nice back-and-forth game, I thought. Um, Anthony Mantha, of all people, um, had a pretty good game, got two goals in this one. Connor McMichael got another one that tied it in the second period. Uh, Mantha, unfortunately, would go down with an injury late in the game, and um, he is, I believe, at this time on the IR. So, unfortunately, um, we might not be seeing him for a while which is a shame because he was just looking like, to me, he was getting his game back in order. Um, Evan Rodriguez tied it um, early in the third, and so they go to overtime, and uh, wow, 15 seconds in, Sam Reinhardt ends it. uh, Kind of a missed assignment by Evgeny Kuznetsov on his part. Why he was even out there, I don't know. Uh, And thus ended the game. A little bit of trivia here. Uh, If you can name the general manager that uh, protested when they reinstated overtime, regular season overtime, that equated five minutes of overtime to 15 seconds of sex. Yes, that's an exact quote. Um, You get, uh, well, I don't know what kind of prize I have, but uh, you you win something. uh, Because if you can, if you know that quote, then uh, you really know your hockey history. Uh, So that was unfortunate. 4-3 loss. And then it was into the weekend. Next game was Friday on a, uh, a New York, New Jersey back-to-back road trip. They go and play the Devils. And so the Devils kind of shorthanded. No Nico Heischer in this one. No Jack Hughes. But you don't have to be Kojak to know that with no Jack and no Heischer, uh, they were still going to be a tough out. Uh, but surprisingly, the Caps played the Devils very, very well. It was a nice up-tempo, up-tempo game. 
Um, Nicholas Obey Kubel in his uh, debut season debut gets the the game starter. Beck Malenstein follows him 15 seconds later. <laughs> 15 seconds seems to be a thing. Um, and uh, so yeah, that's uh, Caps jump out to a two quick two nothing lead about halfway through the first chase. Uh, Vitek Vanacek from the net. And then next thing we know, uh, Kuznetsov in the uh, six minutes into the second gets uh, the uh, the go ahead, another go ahead. That's turned about out to be the game winner. Devils pressured in the end; they look pretty dangerous in the third. Uh, but then uh, Kuznetsov gets another one um, late in the game to pretty much ice it. Um, again, nice up tempo game. I thought the Caps matched the Devils' speed very well, and um, it, it it looked. Look pretty good. They look very, very good. And um, yeah, un, un, except I want to say for the last seven or eight minutes, when again, the offense kind of fell off, shots on goal, production really started to fall off. That's a trend I'm not liking. But other than that, very good game um, all around for the Caps. So uh, last night's game, as I'm sure we all saw, a 4 1 win against the Islanders. Um, no sense in flipping the script here. Is it pretty much the same script as the Jersey game? Uh, Caps kind of um, come out pretty quick. Uh, Ovechkin with his third. Um, nice uh, one-timer uh, to uh, put it away for his third. It was uh, Kuznetsov on the assist. Now, uh, Islanders tied it really quick. Romanov with his first um, just before the end of the period. Usually a kind of a deflating goal if you get it in the last minute, the bizarro McNugget minute goal, as I like to call it. Um, but then, um, caps pressured again. Yeah. Uh, so third and fourth line coming, coming to life again, Nick Dowd, his first, uh, Obey Kubel and Carlson on the assist on that one. And Alexei Protus with, uh, his first, um, Matt Phillips with a great behind the net play to get it out in front and play was started by Connor McMichael making it three, one. And then the captain ices it with three seconds left to put it away. Um, this one, I would say probably what I did not like was all of the shots that the defense let in, uh, on Hunter Shepard, um, 37, but kid seems to be able to handle it. And, um, he was up more than up to the task and, uh, but you'd never want to let your defense, uh, make your goalie make more than 30, you know, 30, 32 shots or saves a game. So that would be my one big complaint about this one. But again, uh, Caps played a nice up-tempo game on both ends. And um, again, without all the shots, uh, it would have been a perfect game. But um, they played very, very well. I think you know, everything everything's starting to gel as far as the overall game plan. All right, so that's the week that was. Uh, sorry to go real, real fast about this one. But you know, again, I mean, we, we all saw it. It was, it was two nice games. Those last, those two wins, you know, followed the same script, which bodes well, because I think if they stick to that game, will actually end up doing very well this season. So, all right. So uh, let the cat out of the bag. Time to uh, reveal what I've been hiding. So this has kind of been a bit of a long time coming. Now, about, uh, I want to say, 50 or so episodes ago, we last did a roundtable. Uh, and it was actually with uh, four other gentlemen. Unfortunately, one of them uh, could not be with us this time around. Uh, but we have three out of those four come back to us again and uh, discuss Caps Hockey. Uh, we're kind of doing a one-month, 12-plus uh, game evaluation, as it were. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce them now, all loyal Caps fans and listeners of the show. Uh, so we will start with 
the uh, our lovely uh, Luke Combs lookalike uh, from Hazard County, Kentucky. Uh, is that right uh, there, Casey? Uh, Perry County. Uh, Perry, Perry County. County. Yeah, Hazard. Hazard's the the city seed. So. Okay. So, um, yeah, Hazard County, of course, is uh, I think last is last year where they where they had the flood, the really bad flood. No, same um, same area, Perry County. Oh, Hazard. Perry County too. Okay. Yeah, we, yeah. The flood damage hit literally a football field from my house. Oh, good lord. Um, yeah. But sounds sounds like you're doing okay, thank God. So it's uh, it's uh, Casey Malone who is with us, and uh, he is uh, actually now not our not our lone Kentucky Caps fan anymore. We just picked up another one um, in our uh, in our Facebook group. I'll, I'll mention him uh, kind of later on down the road. Uh, so Casey's with us once again for our roundtable. Uh, our second guest coming back for another roundtable, and uh, he's he's kind of the initiator of things. He kind of he's a uh, Likes to stir the pot to, uh, and, and throw in some spice in there. He's a longtime fan of not only the Caps, uh, but of hockey in general. Started out in La Belle Provence of Quebec as a uh, Montreal Canadiens fan. Starting out watching those great uh, teams of Les Habitants in the 70s with uh, Guy Lafleur, Steve Shutt, and Ken Dryden, uh, and others. And uh, Henri Richard as well. I don't want to leave out uh, that legendary name. And so without further ado, let me introduce the uh, the Dutch treat himself, Willem Bagus. Hey, how's it going, everybody? It's a pleasure to be back once again. I absolutely love this forum. Uh, moved down 13 years ago and uh, learned to love the Caps. Very easy team to love. There's so much to like about this, this, this hockey club. Uh, you know, my hockey roots go deep, you know, being from Montreal in the first place. Uh, knowing how the people here in uh, in the D.C. area have uh, embraced the Caps has just warmed my heart no end. But on top of that, um, also the, the vast variety of people who are Caps fans from all over the place. I mean, all over the world. And, you know, we welcome all people from all walks of life in, in our forum, as long as we're respectful to each other. And that's what I love about this forum. Yes, 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 we do, and uh, and again, that's one of the things we pride ourselves here on at the uh, Power Play Point podcast. We have a wide open forum. If you want to discuss the caps, you don't necessarily have to agree with me or Anna or Cheryl Ann Force or any of our hosts or moderators. Now, you can you can put forth any opinion you like as long as a you can back it up with you know, a reasonable amount of logic, uh, or, and, and B, you are respectful of others' opinions and not, you know, resort to bullying or name calling or any, any of that, uh, jargon that makes for an unpleasant experience for the right. rest of us. So, right. all right. So, uh, last but not least, uh, I'm going to introduce, uh, my very good friend. Um, I literally grew up with this man. Um, and, uh, some of the best times of my life were either, uh, Sitting in his uh, in his car or or on each other's porches uh, discussing a, a caps game, um, as well as other things that would uh, were going on in our lives, um, and uh, yeah, he's he's one of my one of my good friends, longtime caps fan, uh, Doug Lucerarian. Doug, how you doing tonight? Doing great, doing great. Looking forward to this. Uh, you know, been a caps fan for. And now, now almost 45 years and stuff. Um, been through a lot of bad, but uh, obviously good when in 2018 and a lot of other things, seeing Ovi doing his thing. So, uh, you know, 
just kind of enjoying the ride as we're seeing it kind of come down to the last couple of years with him. But, um, you know, interested in seeing what everyone thinks about this transition as we're starting to move away from the rock, the red to everything else kind of going on and what's going to be coming forward. So, uh, this is, this should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And appreciate your, your kind of, you're kind of putting it that way because it is, it is indeed a transition. And I think most, even your average caps fan understands or has some sort of understanding that we're kind of started moving into another direction here uh, because it's clear that uh, Ovi is not, well, he's not the player he was uh, 10 years ago, um, maybe a, a smidge of what he was five years ago. But clearly the, the, the Washington Capitals are starting to move into a whole other direction. Uh, some would say a little bit late. But uh, I have two main questions to kind of start off this uh, second edition of the roundtable. Um, so, um, and I want either Doug or Willem to start, but um, we're going to, Actually, Willem, let, let's go ahead and, and and have you start because you uh, you're 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 not shy about pointing out things that go right or wrong. So, um, simply put, um, well, it's a two-parter. So, what has gone wrong for this team in in this edition, the the twelve games that you've seen, and what has gone right? Wow, that's uh, you know when someone tells me what's wrong with you, Willem, I ask them how much time have you got, and. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, I'll say this, um, I don't try to be just a complainer, especially on the, uh, on the site. I try to also point out where I see good. And also when, you know, I have a disagreement with, uh, you know, like we have a, a couple key areas where we don't see things the same way, you, me, and Doug. But I do know that it's interesting to at least put the ideas forth and talk about them. And I'll own where I am, but I'm also open to changing my mind on things too. So, um, and, and I'll profess this by saying that I think among the four of us, we can agree that the Caps don't have just one problem. There's a, a great many of them. But, you know, in about five or six key areas, we talked about the defense. I think we can all agree the defense needs improvement. Uh, I think we can agree that our sticks are kind of cold. We need to score more goals. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, we disagree as far as the uh, – uh, as far as the, the goaltending is concerned, um, and also uh, areas such as coaching. Um, I, I'm going to lean on uh, the goaltending more um, right now just because <clears throat> at last uh, two seasons ago, all I heard the pundits talk about was our goaltending problem, thinking, guys, we're not scoring goals. What are you talking about, our goaltending? We had Vitek and, and we had, uh, we had, Vitek and we had uh, Sammy. And to me, they were just as good as any other goaltender in the NHL. I mean, they're, they're pretty average goalies, but they weren't terrible, and they still aren't terrible. Um, and Sammy's paying his penance. Poor guys got stuck in Toronto. Uh, as a Montrealer, I can say that. But um, as far as goaltending is concerned, they were pretty average. I didn't see any problem. What I saw problems with were uh, uh, lack of scoring. We had so much firepower. Now, there's also that other area talking about the age of our players, which is, you know, Doug emphasizes that. You also alluded to that as well. And, um, you know, there is some truth to that. There's elements of that there. But I don't think that's the problem. I think it's more uh, the systems we're using. Um, I heard somebody mention that uh, last year uh, Peter, Peter Laviolette had more or less lost the players, so to speak. And so, yeah, they weren't really following him. Uh, this has happened to other coaches that we've had as well. And 
matter if you're the best coach, if, if the players aren't buying in anymore, you're just not going to be effective. And a lot of the systems we do are based on coaches' directions. Um, I like, I mean, I really was excited about getting Spencer Carberry in the first place um, to see what he could do because he has a great track record. Um, he's done some things, and there's some things that all the players are doing, such as the cradle then shoot, uh, which gives the other goal, goalies time to set up, uh, which are hurting our scoring performance. But overall, um, I, I like to believe that he's going to adjust his system. So that's one area is, is leadership and, and coaching. The players, you know, it's still the honeymoon phase right now, so they're they're still buying in to what he's saying. And if he treats the players with respect, they'll they'll follow along with him. And I say this because a lot of the core team is still some of the same guys that we had back when Adam Oates was a coach. And he's a coach that tried to micromanage the players. And so you had really great players which were performing very poorly. Um, Braden Holpe, Ovechkin, two to two notables right there. And then we acquired some amazing firepower like Oshie and then Kuzi came into his own too. And, you know, our sort of golden era, sort of the mid 2010s. And that was Trot who brought that out in the players. But, you know, as, as Doug will point out to me, um, you know, we were down on Trot for quite a while, even in the 2017-18 season. Um, it wasn't until late in the season that we started to catch fire, thank goodness. But, um, I had I actually had met Trot that season, and he told me what he was doing, and he was designing a team to beat the Penguins. And and uh, at any rate, I think age plays into it. I don't think it's really not as much of a factor as one might like to believe, because these players are still in top shape, and I think Ovi still has a lot left in him. Uh, I'm terribly sad to see Backy go, but you know, for health, I mean, this is after all a game, and that's entertainment, so. Um, you know, we don't want a person sacrificing their health just for, for me to enjoy a Saturday night. Um, but, you know, we've got Oshi, a player with so much heart. Uh, and he, even Carlton, I mean, people are plus and minus on him, but he's been doing well. And then we got some new younger guys who are doing great. I mean, people like Milano and Strom has been a real standout. Um, and our goalie, Hunter Shepard, love the guy. Uh, still needs to, uh, you know, warm up to the NHL a little bit. But on the whole, he's solid, in my opinion, that is. And Charlie Lindgren, love the guy. Uh, Kemper, I was disappointed with because the guy just came off of the Stanley Cup, comes to our team, and I'm expecting to see great things from the guy, and suddenly it was happening, you know. And and I'm wondering whether that's coaching or not, because whereas on the site you and I have spoken at length about, you know, I'm one of the detractors, but I mean, I'm not the only one who's noticing that the guy's letting in some pretty easy goals. So um, I'm wondering how much of that is also coaching because the guy is better than the way he's performing. So I'm wondering what the problem is. So I, I mean, I'll leave it open to that. As far as the age, you know, I, I'm, I'm very flexible on that one, but I do believe that the players that we have are, you know, they still got years left in them still. I'm not talking about 10, but at least two to three good ones still. So, I, I mean, and you guys are right. The rock, the red phase, you know, sad to say it, but, I mean, I love the uniforms, want to keep them, but that whole 2007 era, that whole Ovechkin era, we're near the twilight years of that. So that's where I, 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 I hate to see that go, but we got a whole crop of new young people coming in too. You know, it's, it's like the days when people were watching, you know, people like Bondra and, and, and 
you know, the, 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 the caps of the nineties. So, you know, I, I see that too. Anyway, where I see the caps doing things right is we've got a lot of great new talent. We've got so much potential. Um, I think we got to just shoot more. I mean, not just cradle shoot, just keep shooting. And it's the usual stick for me. Keep the puck out of your zone, whatever it takes. Keep ins. Whenever we're doing keep ins, we do well. Jump on rebounds and just just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. So anyway, that sounds like hockey 101, but that's where I'll I'll leave it for now. And uh, I'd like to uh, turn it over to you. Yeah. Uh, no, all good. All good points there. And yeah, you're right. It 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 seems so obvious to all of us who have been watching the game for so long. Um, or, or even, even, a uh, you know, a beginning fan who said, well, you know, you can't, you can't score. You can't win if you don't score and you can't score if you don't shoot. So if, if you got your fundamentals down, you know, you have an idea of how the game's supposed to be played, then yeah, it does seem kind of obvious, but sometimes it's not. So, um, I, I'll, uh, definitely agree with you there. So I'm, I'm going to toss the, uh, the same question over, uh, first to Doug, uh, uh, for his um, uh, take on it. Uh, what what have the Caps done right so far these 12 or so games, and what have they done wrong? Uh, all right. So um, I think the biggest thing that, that's really gone wrong has been the power play. Um, I mean, that is one of the worst things I think I've seen in many years. Um, they are still doing the same things. Um, as much as they wanted to have change um, with regards to it, they got the same people out there. They do still do the same damn slingshot. Um, they all sit around and pass the puck around the edges and then t- try and find that perfect shot. Um, there's some more movement, but there's not a lot more movement. Um, and you're seeing that it's it's really becoming a hindrance, really, in the grand scheme of things. Like, teams are not even scared to commit a penalty now. So as you're getting momentum or anything like that, they don't have any fear of taking penalties against the Caps because they know that, you know, they got almost two two minutes of free time because, you know, the power play isn't going to strike. Um, and that is probably a lot. And I know Will and I uh, go back and forth with regards to the AHP. It's a lot of the older players. It's a lot of the older players. They're slow. Um, they're predictable, um, and when you see like that second, uh, the second team come out, it's a lot of the younger players, and they're running around and they're doing things. Are they as successful? Yeah, they're about as successful. That's not even a good thing. But they don't also have a lot of time either. Um, I'd like to see them mix that up a little bit and see if they can't get some uh, some youth in there um, on that first unit, and maybe uh, put some of the other ones into the second unit and see if things start to start to happen because right now they're they're just not even successful and it's not even that they're getting a lot of really great chances in that two minutes as well which is really really discouraging um so so what do you think they've done right maybe maybe um oh geez i think we just lost willem no we i think we just lost doug actually yeah, darn. yeah, yeah. It was Doug that, that fell yeah, off. Looks like looks like Doug uh, just fell off. Uh, it's funny we'll... that I, I agree with pretty much everything that Doug is just, you know, uh, as far as 
Starfleet? Absolutely. Um, I don't know that they're all doing the same things. I mean, Obi has not, has virtually not been doing any of his. I think he only one or two this entire season so far in an attempt to shake things up. My big complaint about the uh, power play is that they seem to slow down at the power play. And I think Doug made a huge point um, that, yeah, teams are not afraid to, to foul us now because they know that, you know, it's just two minutes that they get fewer chances to score because we're not likely to cash in on the power play. So that's an angle that I hadn't considered. That is absolutely, I agree with them completely. Um, so, and anyway, at the end, it, it's, uh, you got to, for me, I'd like to see them speed up. And another thing I, I'm just harken back to the glory days of the Oilers. We don't see anybody sitting behind the net. You remember like Wayne Brett used to do that? I don't know if there's a new regulation against that or something, but we don't have anybody, like Kuzi would be perfect there, behind the net, keep the goalie guessing. And and it's great for a, a snap pass and a one-timer. And that's one of the things that propelled the Oilers to their Stanley Cups way back when. Um, did that, yeah, he and I are both on the same page with that slingshot. All it is is a time waster. Um, you know, I, I think some consultant came up with it and they got to do it by contract because there's really, I don't see any logic to it. I haven't seen anybody explain to me in a way that says, yeah, this is a great idea. Um, and I see Montreal doing it too, and it drives me bananas. Anyway, I'll, I'll turn, I think we got Doug back and I'd like to turn it back to him. Um, I don't, <clears throat> I don't see him yet. Um, if we, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to give it another half a minute. I just messaged him. Um, yeah. if, if it's okay, I'll hop in and talk a little bit about the power play. Cause, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Casey, why don't, why don't we just flip it over to you? Flip the question over to you. Uh, yeah. Uh, just, yeah, just go ahead and uh, jump in with uh, your answers to the question. What have you done uh, wrong and right so far? Um, the two, the, I have two primary, uh, things that I see that are, are going wrong as far as like the team being out there and what's going on with them. And it it both has to do with scoring. It's, it's how we look on the power play. Um, you know, we can, we can harp on that to death here. And I'm sure that we'll talk about it more in a few moments because I I have some insight on that. Uh, just from some of the things that I've listened and I've heard and I've heard Spencer Carberry himself actually do an interview with uh, John Walton about and I think it's something that we need to keep in mind what they're trying and I think it's taken a while to implement and so hopefully the power play will improve but I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the stats and we only have six players that have scored three or more goals um, when you're rostering 23 players and you only got six that's contributing multiple goals in a season Sonny Milano's the the next closest at two that's that's a tough ask for a team to hold up and win games, especially in this high-octane NHL that is now seeing a lot more goals, it seems like. Um, and, you know, all sports seem to be designing to go to where offense and scoring, all of that is – they're trying to push for that to become more prevalent. And I'm not – you know, I'm not sure how much hockey is actually doing that, but I do know that – we're seeing, you know, better scores. The game is adapting. Wayne Gretzky himself has talked about that. Um, now things are advancing, and what we see is that our team is not having a lot of people that are actually finding the back of the net. And you know, Willem and I have talked about this at length. Without secondary scoring, you don't you don't win hockey games because if you don't have 
um, the threats that are out there that pulls away, that makes your defenses be honest and pull away from your stars, such as Ovi or, uh, in this case, Dylan Strom, who's leading the team right now with six goals, you don't have people that are pulling away and keeping defenses off of them. They aren't going to get open. They're not going to find their way to the back of the net because there's nobody being like a magnet that's like, oh, they're also a danger, so we can't slack back off them And because if we do, they're going to punish us. Um, the thing about the power play, we talk about they're still doing a lot of stuff, and I, uh, similar stuff, and that that's honestly true. Um, their power play, you know, I've been around now. This is going on my fourth season uh, of just watching hockey, period, and I watch the power play, and I can tell you what they're going to do now. And if a fan has lack of – that contains as lack of depth and, depth and knowledge of hockey as I do can tell you what a team's doing on a power play, that's probably very bad. Spencer Carberry's, because um, he was talking about this with uh, John Walton, what he's approaching it from is that he's trying to add chaos to our power play. He wants teams to be unexpected of what's happening, and I don't think our players have got to the point where they feel comfortable on the ice after so many years of doing the same things. Um, Blaine Forsyth, you know, drilled whatever it was that they previously did into their heads to the point that it's hard to break those old habits. So I don't necessarily always throw it back to coaching. It's also player execution. But I did see – I am seeing some things change. Like the other night, Ovi floated down, and he was nearly at the goal. So, like, he could have got a tip in had anybody passed it to him, and they just didn't find the way to get the puck to him while he was standing by the goal. Um, and, you know, we've had players rotating in and out. There's There's got to be some chaos. The problem is, is when you get predictable, you have to do something to bring about chaos, and I don't think we're doing enough of that yet. And I think that's sadly on the players. It's hard for me to put that on the coach. Uh, What I think is going well this year, um, I will tell you this, this team still shows way more heart and fight than I think we give them credit for. Um, We should not be where we are in the standings, um, if if we're being totally honest about it. Uh, we really shouldn't be, but we are. We're like, I think, third in the East, if I'm not mistaken. I need to confirm that. But that's that's pretty impressive for a team that is aging in a state of almost rebuilding. Uh, yeah, we're third in the Metropolitan, um, which to me is quite impressive considering you know what we're sitting here talking about. Like, There's a lot of things that are, in a way, going wrong, but we're hanging in games that maybe we shouldn't be hanging in. Uh, we're still fighting in the Metropolitan Division to to hang out. And, you know, we're only behind Carolina and New York. And we we have two games in hand on Carolina. And most every team that's ahead of us that's in the Atlantic has – we have a game in hand on or more. And so we're still scrapping. And that's one of the things I love about the Capitals, and I think that's always endured me to them, is that – I absolutely adore when a team has heart and they fight and they don't quit. Um, Even whenever everything tells them that they should take a step back, that maybe they're not where they should be. Our, our caps are still out there and they're giving us everything they've got, not in and not out. All right. Awesome. All, all good points. And uh, yeah, uh, not coincidentally, all stuff that I've noticed as well. Um, I, I don't I don't really know what you can chalk that up to, but yeah, the the attitude, um, if not the results, uh, but the attitude on ice, especially late in games where 
you know, if, if it's close, they do what they can to, to you know, ensure victory or, or keep it close. Uh, so I do like that. I am seeing that as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think we got Doug back. And uh, I don't know if he had a chance to kind of go into what uh, what he thought was going right with the team. Uh, so, Doug, can you hear us? Yeah, yeah, I have okay. no idea where where it dropped off. So. Okay, so so yeah, you were you were going on about the power play and um, yeah. and uh, yeah, I think uh, you were uh, kind of winding that up, and we we kind of we kind of lost you, and you're going into some other things that that might have been uh, going wrong with the team. But you said your big thing was the power play. So what what would you say has gone right um, that you've seen so far? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd echo. Uh, I think. Casey, that was you, is, is like the heart, you know, of what you've seen, right? Like this team should not be where it is right now, um, especially given how the the youth um, is still coming along. It's great seeing uh, Connor starting to step into a step into that center spot, and he looked really, really strong last couple nights, which is great, um, you know, but – given the fact that, you know, we still are, haven't really seen Ovi really hit that, you know, getting going. We haven't seen Oshi do a, really virtually anything. Um, you know, some of our big players haven't really gotten to the point where we, we expect them to be and for them to be at where they are. That just shows the grit and the tenacity that this team has. And, you know, so, like, if there's that, it's right there. I think one of the other things is, you know, if you look at Darcy, Darcy is, you know, been hit or miss, but I think we're seeing like, you know, the Hunters, the Charlies, you know, those two, you know, in the last two games have stepped up and played very, very well in that. Um, you know, so, you know, if there is any kind of opportunity to give them more playing time, we should definitely be looking at them. Um, you know, so I'm liking what we're seeing with some of the youth that's coming up. Um, some of the effort that they're giving um, and our goalies that are the, I, I guess you'd call it backups right now, but I mean, they're, they're playing very well in front of the defense or behind the defense. Yeah. Uh, great, great answers guys. So uh, my uh, real fast take on, um, well, one thing that's definitely gone wrong aside from the, the, the power play is, is definitely the defense. Um, I and uh, part of that you can say is is the uh, um, the fluidity of the lineup uh, and and the pairings. I don't think the coaching staff has quite figured out yet, and they're going to continue to have a hard time because now we've got all these injuries um, on on the backline pairs. But I don't think they've nailed down which pairs are going to work well. Um, I think Sandine is starting to come back into his own. Um, or, or he was, uh, I forget who they had him with, but once they got him away from be- pairing him with Carlson, I thought he started to play a lot better. Um, uh, yep. unfortunately, I, I think, I think Nick Jensen is re- regressing a bit. Um, I'm hoping he gets his legs under him because uh, as I've said in the past, that's his game. He's probably one of the best skaters on the team, if not the best, but he's looked like he's lost a half a step and that's not good for him um, because that, that, that takes away the best part of his game. So uh, between those two things, Sandine getting his game back slowly 
uh, and and the fluidity of the lineup, and then some of the vets, you know, kind of, you know, and and you got another dynamic in, you know, Joel Edmondson when when he's going to be inserted in the lineup when he comes back in. So you don't know what that's going to do. Um, so it's I'm I'm willing to give them more time, but the defense have, has been you know pretty poor in my eyes. So that's probably the one thing that's gone really bad uh, for this team. Um, now the one thing that has gone right. Um, I would say, um, well, I, you know, it's, it's, it's the intangibles. It's, it's like Doug and, and Casey said, it's the, the, they have this knack of finding a way to, uh, keep the game close and, 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 and win. Um, and when, once they start to believe in the game plan, I think you'll find more of a good result. You'll see this team start to gel even more, but I'm seeing lately that, they're starting to play for each other. You've heard that phrase many times in the past that team, the best teams that all the all the mates they play for each other, and you're starting to see that a lot more. And I, I think they're starting to bond and gel. And once they become more of that cohesive unit, you're going to see results like you've seen these last two games. So that that's the one thing that's gone right. Unfortunately, you know, as far as tangible on the ice play, they don't really do any one thing very well yet. Um, but part of that is learning the new coaching scheme. Part of that is acclimating the new and younger players into the lineup. And you know, between those two things, again, you know, once everything starts to you know congeal, then you're going to get the result that we're looking for. But to be, you know, within striking distance of of a playoff spot, if not in a playoff spot, at you know one month into the season is probably uh, a lot better than anybody had hoped for this team. So um, good all around. Thanks guys for those those great answers. That's uh, just my quick take on that. So going to hop over to the second question. Um, this one a uh, bit more complicated. Um, so I think what what uh, as I mentioned before, I think most of the average Caps fans, even the casual ones, have an idea that this is kind of a transitional phase. So thinking of that, what is, what would you say, um, well, what, what are your thoughts on both the near and distant future of, of this team, what the plans should be? So I'll, I'll throw in an example. So what kind of major moves should they make this season and beyond? Uh, as an example, you don't have to limit yourself to that. You have some sort of an idea of you know, something else that, you know, as far as a direction they should go through, then yes, you know, throw that out there as well. But just kind of give your thoughts on what, you know, where where this team should be going as far as, you know, the rest of this season and beyond uh, starting a year after this. Um, so uh, since um, I kind of had a little, uh, to do here with the phone line. So uh, since um, he's uh, been uh, kind of sitting on the sidelines a bit, we're going to toss it back to uh, uh, Willem and uh, have him start with this one again. So, yeah, moves for the season. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, just getting into the coach um, and, and developing the systems. But um, now, a lot of it also depends on cap space, too, as far as player trading is concerned. Doug knows way more about that than I do. But I would suggest that uh, also, I'd say trade Kemper and get some firepower for him. Uh, promote Hunter Shepard to be a backup to uh, Charlie Lindgren. And I'd say that should uh, be a great 
uh, solve for our, our goaltending for now, and then concentrate on <clears throat> speeding up the play. It's not just a question of age. I know that that's a big part of it. Doug has a point when he says that. Uh, but we still have some amazing firepower. I mean, Kuzi and Oshi and Ovi are still Kuzi, Ovi, and Oshi, and we should be able to make really good use of them. But we should be doing a lot more of uh, hockey plays. Get it out of the zone as fast as you can, and, and not these fancy, fancy things like on the, on the power play. Oh, this business of tossing the puck around just to get that perfect shot. The best things I've seen and our best shots have come from rebounds or surprising the goalie. Uh, try something. Now, Doug might be able to enlighten me because during the last time I mentioned this, um, I don't know if there's a new regulation that prevents people from parking behind the net like Gretzky used to, um, but we should try that on the power play. But whatever we do when, when we have a power play, we should be speeding up, not slowing down. Um, and, oh, if I never see that slingshot again, it'll be too soon. Um, but we have great talent that's coming up. Uh, Strom and Milano have impressed me incredibly. Connor McMichael is doing well. We've we got some great talent that's coming up. But I think for sure, I, I know Doug mentioned, or was it uh, Casey was mentioned that uh, uh, Carberry's doing chaos with the uh, with our power play. Well, yeah, it's it's confusing me, but we're still essentially playing. Uh, pass the puck around and I, I think we're boring the other team to death if anything um, we should be keeping it in there have been great power plays I have seen this season where we're actually keeping in a lot better and I mean one thing you got to do if you're playing on their zone your defense has a lot less pressure on them so um, defense undoubtedly that has got to be shored up um, I remember when Trotz came in following Oates, and <laughs> the big comment was, "Okay, let's let's start by having a defense in the first place." So uh, we weren't doing so well under that. Um, fewer penalties uh, under Oates. We saw a lot of stick penalties. It was just driving bananas back then. I kind of saw a bit of a return to it now, and I I think we should be taking fewer stick penalties because that's just hurting us. Um, so a lot more clean play. The last three games, I've seen a lot cleaner play. It's actually quite gratifying to see. And we're doing well that way as well. Um, so one-on-one, -on -one we can beat the other teams. Uh, but we, we do have to hang on to the puck a little bit more. And, and just, you know, when we get to their zone, keep it in, shoot a lot more. Um, those are the big things that I see. As far as the, the talent pool is concerned, we have great talent. We just have to develop them a little bit better. And as, of all things, speed up. When I see them slowing down on the power play and going, what are you doing? You're just wasting time. I was at the game in Montreal, and I just saw them slow right down and going, that's, <laughs> that's really not going to do too well. So uh, anyway, th those are my thoughts on that. Uh, so Doug and I are not all that far apart, and Casey has some amazing insights. So I'm really glad I got to hear that today. Okay. So it sounds like, Willem, it sounds like um... – as far as you know how the team should handle things uh, both this season and in the future it's it sounds like uh, uh, you're you know you're looking for the team to kind of evolve and, and the coach to figure out uh, okay well maybe maybe be more willing to find out okay this isn't working we can't stick with it let's move on and try something else does, does that sound yeah like, I uh, think that's uh, 
I think, yeah, I think you pretty much summed up uh, how I feel there. Yes. Okay. All right. That that's great. Um, okay. So, um, all right. So, we're gonna, so uh, Casey, Casey, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So we're going to toss it over to you. So uh, the question at hand is how should the team, uh, well, what, what should the team kind of handle, how uh, handle things? What, what should they do and how, sh how should they handle things both this season and in, in the near and distant future? Um, one of the things that I think our team needs to do that comes immediate to mind, and this is just a very personal opinion of mine, to me, it's hard to have a general manager who has seen strong years in victory like Brian McQuillan has seen and then go through a rebuild. Um, there's going to be attachment to some of these players. Uh, I know we talk, you know, they talk about it being a business and you can't do that, but there are attachment. There's players that maybe shouldn't have re been re-signed that are re-signed that are here. Um, and I'm not necessarily advocating for his removal, but what I am advocating for is that he has to have a change of mindset if he's going to be here. Uh, the way we build this team has to be, in as we move forward in the future, we have to take a step back and not be looking at what impacts the game to get us to the playoffs or – the Stanley Cup at this current moment. I know this is a lot comes from OV too because OV doesn't want to be on a rebuilding team, but you can't tell me that $2 million of our salary to sign Max Pacioretty was the best thing we could do this summer. Um, Cause you know, we haven't seen him play, but he's 34 years old. He's, he's nearly as old or older than just about every other player on our team. And yet he's yet to play, and that was $2 million of cap space that we could have used somewhere for a young defenseman, which I'm looking at as something that we're pretty anemic in, is that we don't have a lot of reserves that if we have any more injuries on defense, we're going to be looking for somebody. And that's a lot harder to do in season than it is out of season. And so my thought is, is that you've got to continue to push your young players. You've got to have a change of mindset, and you've got to look at – maybe even taking um, what you can get on trades as you can get. It's like, you know, if you're waiting for the right Anthony Mantha trade, that may not come. You may have to take what you get, even if you're losing out on that trade a little bit. And I think that has to be the mindset of both fans and the team moving forward is that we've got to, we've got to retool and reconstruct on the fly and because we put so many chips into the table for so many years to get us to the Stanley Cup and every bit of it was worth it, and I know there's not a fan out there that would turn around and take any of it back, you have to look at it from the perspective of, well, we paid for what we got. Now we've got to pay the penance of the other side. And it's not pretty. And it's hard. And, you know, I can, I, you know, I hate when people say things like this. It's like, oh, there's not a bigger fan of this than me, and that's why I have the right to say the other side. But there really isn't, I would say, a bigger TJ Oshie fan than I am. But I don't know that Oshie's time on the ice is best for the Caps anymore. Um, And that's really hard to say. I think he, you know, he's the heart and soul of the team in a lot of ways. He is while we're scrappy and while we fight. And he's a great mentor to a lot of these young guys. but. 
there's got to be a place for him on this team that's not on the ice. Um, and that's really tough to say. And that's what we've got to look at. We've got to look at players that maybe need to go and or have a change of scenery or try something new. And I think that has to be the the mindset of the team is we can't keep looking at things the same way that we have for so long. And in a way, we've started that, but there's other things that we have to do to push us in that direction. And I think that's where the team really has to go for both the immediate and for the future. Because uh, if we want to be good four or five years from now, our guys that are in Hershey and these guys that are young on our team, you know, that will be led, in my opinion, by guys like Tom Wilson and Dylan Strom, they've got to play now and they've got to be out there and we have to be willing to let them make mistakes. We have to understand that, you know, the younger guys aren't going to be world beaters and they're going to have struggles. It's going to, you're going to see guys like Hendricks, like Pierre go games and games where he may do things that hurt you, but you don't learn at the highest level and you don't get better if you're not playing with the people that are better than you and you're challenging yourself every day. And I think that's something that we have to look at as a team. And so it's just, I want to see us challenge our young guys by letting them play as much as possible. Um, and, you know, I'm not totally against the idea that Willem brought up of, you know, maybe it's time to move on from Darcy, but I don't know that anybody's going to take on a three more year contract after this one that's setting at a cap hit of 5.25. That's, that's a really hard ask for someone that we're already complaining about is not giving production and is not doing what we want to do. So why is a team like, you know, I'm looking at someone who a team that may have a goalie issue that needs somebody is like, let's think about Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton. They're looking for a goalie. Well, why would they go for Darcy if they can get somebody cheaper that's doing better? We, we talk and we say trade, 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 and it happens a lot with Mantha. You've got to think about what your return is, and if you want to trade a player so bad, everybody else in the league and all the rest of the fans are seeing the same things we're seeing. And so there's got to be some realism that comes from that too. So my, my whole – I guess what I hope for is perspective, and I hope – I think that's what the, the team needs is perspective, and they need that understanding that things can't continue to be the same as what they've been. Great, great points. Great points. And I think, I think that's what, uh, that, that speaks to the heart of uh, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, the complaints that uh, some have had about this team that, you know, maybe, maybe there are some that some of the players that we've hung on to maybe a bit long, longer than we should have. And, you know, ultimately I think that's what doomed teams like, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, even after they built their dynasty, look what happened to them. They went straight into the toilet, you know, because, you know, they, they hung on to those old, three older players for so long. Uh, and they, they pretty much wound up playing themselves all out of the league. All three of them are out of the league. Duncan Keith, I don't know that he's still playing. Uh, Jonathan Taze is, is pretty much retired. Uh, Patrick Kane, nobody wants him. He's supposed to be talking to some players, so I uh, teams rather, so I hear, but <laughs> the, uh, the three of them are out of the league, and it's because uh, they they really they literally played themselves out of roster spots uh, for for so long, and so I, I think you have a, a a point there, Casey, because I didn't want to see the Caps do that, but to an extent, a lesser extent, I think they did do that. But you know, all all great points there. So so Doug, we'll wind up this question with you. So once again. 
Um, what should, how should the Caps handle things both this season and and going forward after this season's over? Yeah, so I mean, like, um, I probably echo a lot of what Casey was saying, but I would, um, I'd probably take it a step further and like the problems really start happening. I mean, if you even go back to 2016, 2017, you know, Brian McClellan was basically saying like the window was closing. Right. And, you know, lo and behold, lightning strikes, we lightning in a bottle, we get, we get to the Stanley cup, we win the Stanley cup. Awesome. You know, we were all celebrating down in DC for the parade and everything. It was amazing. Um, it was probably one of the best things. I mean, after 40 plus years, right. Um, you know, to finally have that happen for the caps and, um, you know, I think a lot of the nostalgia of that, and the belief that these players are still the same players that they were back in 2017, 18, 19 is still like in a lot of people's heads. And, you know, you give contracts to somebody like, and I love Backstrom, but Backstrom was not worth $10 million when they, when they resigned him. Um, you know, um, Oshi, you know, at this point in time, and like Casey, like you were saying, I love him. He's, he's heart and soul type of guy, but, is his $5.75 million um, really carrying the weight on the team? Um, you know, there's got to be some um, some almost like emotionalist type uh, decisions that are going to have to be made that you take a look at what do you see this team being in the next two to three years? Where do you see them being? What players do you see still being here at that point in time, right? Um, you know, and Darcy, you know, Oshie might be able to, you might be able to get something for Oshie. I think Darcy's going to be a tough one to probably get uh, any kind of value on. Um, you're not going to get anything for Matha, so it's probably like a, this year you, he becomes a UFA after this year. You just let him walk. Um, you know, addition by subtraction, because now you have five million plus to sit there and play with to try and bring somebody else in. Um, and if he's not in your your plans or anybody else's, as tough as it may be, and you know, Gil, you and I have gone back and forth over the course of the last couple of years about you know whether Carlson's value is is such uh, that we could actually get something more in a trade than what we get from him. He's playing really well this year, and it might be an opportunity to actually get something for him if you don't see him as part of your long term plans. Um, I think the biggest thing is. You know, we have a lot of top-end salary that is tied to players who were great, but not necessarily great right now. And we've got to be very diligent in terms of how we move forward with giving contracts to some of our players. We have some some RFAs coming up that we have to have to pay. Um, you know, and we got to be very emotionless on on um, some of these. Um, contracts that are higher up and if we can get something for them whether it be a koozie whether it be an oshi whether it be a carlson um like you were talking about jensen in terms of him regressing if you can get something for him you know that's another four million dollars saved and we might be able to go and get somebody else that's younger and faster and and maybe more talented at this point in time but again it's all about what do you see this team being in the next two to three years not in the next one to two 
Yeah, I, and that, okay, so that very last part, and okay, so my take on this, obviously, that very last part is is the absolute key, is the absolute utmost that the organization has to keep in mind. And my fear is that they're going to let the results of this year kind of sway them into thinking that, okay, maybe the long term isn't what we should focus on, maybe the short term. I think they're going to delude themselves into thinking, oh, you know what, we've got a contender now, when the truth is they need to build a contender for not now, not even next year, but year after next is is probably should be their target year if they want to do right by everybody. And yeah, okay, reality dictates, yes, you have to involve Ovi somehow. But that third year, he's going to be, I don't know if that's the last year of his contract or the, or the year before, but I think the way things are stacking up, if they play their cards right, that's going to be the year everything is going to start to stack up. Because after next year, you will have one year, hopefully, of... Um, and I was talking about this on another podcast uh, a little while ago, but you'll have at least one year of maybe uh, Ivan Marashnichenko, uh and some of the other younger guys. Uh, maybe Vincent Iorio will have a chance to come up uh, and, and show what he can do. But the focus definitely has to be on not this year, not next year, but being a contender the year after next, because if they try to do things too quickly, um, they run the risk of, of mortgaging the future, and they're go- just going to be right back where they started um, earlier earlier this year and, and last year, missing the playoffs on the outside looking in. So the strategy should be let the kids develop, give them you know as much playing time as you can, like Casey said, and but let at the same time letting the veterans play a role in mentoring them. So the the biggest task for the on-ice product is going to be finding that balance. And if they can do that, that's going to be most beneficial to the team. Now, the front office has to do its part by making sure they don't entangle themselves in deals that are bad, both short and long term. Yep. So if they can pull all of that off, then, you know, you, you get the magic back. But it, it's going to depend on whether or not they can do that now. The front office, you know, Ryan McClellan has been pretty good at picking up some decent players for cheap. Uh, example, best example being Connor Sherry, I think. But, you know, sooner or later, you can't just keep putting a Band-Aid on an open wound. Um, so they're going to have to find a way, and hopefully it'll be from within, but maybe without, maybe a free agent, a key free agent. Who knows? But again, the mentality has to be, the target year being two years from now is when they need to really step on the accelerator and get back to being a contender because that's when that's when Ovi is nearest his retirement and that's when all of these other contracts are going to start running out. So you're not going to know what you're going to get after that. That that's why I point to that year mostly. Um, okay, yeah. so honestly, if you don't mind, like one other thing. Sure. That- I know Will Will made a comment saying that we have a lot of great talent, um, great young talent. I think we have a lot of good talent. I don't think we have a lot of top end talent, and that's and that's primarily because we've been so good for 20 years, 
we've either given up our number one, our first round draft picks, or we've had late first round draft picks. You know, some of getting bad. I mean, we, the reason we had Nick and we had, uh, you know, the John Carlsons and, you know, the OVs of the world and stuff like that was because we were bad for a couple of years, right? right. Um, which allowed us the opportunity to get that top end talent that carried us for 20 years. We haven't had to worry about that for 20 years. We've been so good for 20 years. I think we've been spoiled. Um, and I think we have a lot of good talent. I don't know if we have right. a lot of top six talent right now. I would definitely agree that uh, this fan base has been spoiled because we've had it good for so long. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so we're going to close out that segment. Um, all right, so we're going to get into our last segment here while we still got some time. And uh, so all three of you, uh, again, I can't I can't thank you both enough or, or th- all three of you uh, enough for your your consistent observations uh, that that are always on point. Um, and I know it's it's already come out. I, I'm hearing in all three of you, but uh, I know each of you has kind of a, a pet peeve or something that is top of mind. Uh, when you when you see this team or just something maybe that you've wanted to get out there that maybe we haven't discussed in depth. So I'm going to start by throwing this to Casey. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to pertain about this to, to this season, but uh, maybe about the Caps in general. But is there something like that that's that's top of mind for you that uh, you, you want to throw out there and kind of put in as a discussion point? I am absolutely annoyed to no end, and it is my biggest pet peeve that we differentiate as fans from player to player so much that we're willing to give passes to certain players and not to others. And I'm particularly meaning for the goalies. Um, Since I've been a fan, it's been a very consistent goalie, 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 goalie. goalie conversation um, over and over and over again. And it's been back and forth and back and forth. And it's always been this issue. So it was, we had very, very heavy Sammy detractors. We had very, very heavy VTech detractors who would find absolutely everything that those two did wrong. And it did not matter how much they did right. That's all they could see. Uh, and that's happening with Darcy Kemper right now. And yes, there are areas that Darcy Kemper absolutely needs to improve. Absolutely needs to improve. And, you know, Willem alluded that there are soft goals that he's let in. But we differentiate so much from what Darcy has as far as a defense and the team that's in front of him versus like when Shepard or when Lindgren are on the ice, we're more quickly to say, oh, well, you know, this player should have been there on defense. And it goes to a philosophy, and I, I brought this up in the in a, in a chat a while back, that there's a, there's a, I guess it's a psychological thing, but we talk about it a lot in communications. Uh, when I originally studied communications to be a sports broadcaster, um, one of the things we talk about is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's it very much goes to the, I think, therefore I am. So if you're constantly thinking that um, 
this player is going to be bad and they're going to make mistakes and you're going to catch their mistakes. You're going to find everything they do wrong and it's going to cause you to not accept the alternatives. You're not going to see their good points. You're going to be so aggravated at the negatives that you're not seeing the good. And that's, I guess that's my discussion point for you guys is when we look at Darcy, um, Gil brought up immediately at the start of the podcast that when you're, when your goalkeeper is seeing about 30 shots a night, it's almost nearly too much on them. That's a heavy workload. I did the math while we were sitting here talking. Darcy right now, in his games played, has seen, I think it's, let me let me find it. I had it pulled up. I, I do apologize. He has seen 232 shots in eight games played. That puts him at right at 29 shots a game on average. That's a hard workload. And yeah, we're paying Darcy. I get it. We're paying Darcy five plus million dollars to carry that kind of workload and to be this great thing. But whenever you've got players in front of him that are constantly not in position, our defense being anemic, it's a lot harder for him as well to always get everything. Like, he's not Superman. He's not perfect. And neither are Charlie Lindgren or Hunter Shepard. And I have a feeling and a suspicion that if they played in some of those games that Darcy played in, I don't know that the result would be that much different. And would we be sitting here and being as critical about them as we are about Darcy? And maybe maybe we shouldn't be because their cap hit is actually lower. So it's not hurting you nearly as much as far as money goes. Um, but, you know, that's something that has to be considered. And I don't know that enough fans consider that. So I guess pet peeve of mine is we don't look at the big picture enough, especially when it comes to our goalies. And, you know, when we were dealing with the one with Sammy and VTech, a decision had to be made, and unfortunately both players went. And I don't know that that was totally the team letting them both walk. I think they might have had it too. Because, you know, you hear about, and Willem's ears are about to bleed, but you hear about the Toronto media. Players leave from Toronto because people, they can't handle the media or the fans. And in a way, did we do that to VTech and did we do that to Sammy? And is it possible that we're back in a place where we're doing that to Darcy? Good, uh, good points. Thoughts, guys? Anybody well, if you're, jump in? If you're opening that to me, there, uh, Casey. As far as Toronto is concerned, uh, I'll I'll open up with my usual uh, detracting from Toronto because it's Toronto. But your point is very well made. As far as we might be doing the same thing. I mean, fans are fans, right? We we we. And I'm I'm going to take money out of the discussion because you know otherwise we're talking about people being paid millions of dollars to play what amounts to a kid's game. Just the game itself, because it is entertainment after all. Um, but fans are fans. We want to see our team do well. And Toronto, and I, I have a history with Montreal and Toronto particularly because Montreal has the same thing. You know, they they put on the uh, they put on the uniform and suddenly they're expected to perform at a particular level. And I we didn't have that here in D.C. when it came down. People put on the Caps jersey, and we're just grateful for the good games that we get for the most part. So your point's well made. Um, the other thing is, uh, you made 
two points at the same time too, uh, one of which was we should be a lot more even, look for the good as well as the bad. I try to do my best with that. Um, you know, don't always succeed, but you, you are right when you say that. Although a lot of it seems a lot of making excuses for, for Darcy's play. And I'll explain what I mean when I say that. Um, okay, so let's cast aside the whole, you know, the goalie problem that never existed the way I say it. Uh, people said we had a goalie problem. Okay, so we addressed this thing. Um, if you're going to get a new goalie, who are we going to get? Well, hey, this, this guy just won the Stanley Cup. Seems to me the best candidate. So we get this guy in. And, you know, I'm not expecting the guy to be Vladislav Trechak, but at a, I expect him to be a lot better than the way he performed. Now, what we've seen him do, and it's not just raw stats. Uh, Doug mentioned earlier something about being dispassionate and just looking at raw numbers. And I would suggest in the past I might have agreed with that, uh, and, and this is across the board, except for you got to put some emotion into it because this is really a game about emotions too. Um, not every shot is created equal. And, you know, Hunter Shepard, for instance, the last game, he played an amazing game. And then he made like a glaring mistake behind the net and, you know, wide open net. They, they, they just put that in the, you know, they just put that in. Okay. That, that's an easy rookie mistake. But when it came to the hard shots or breakaways or scrums around the net, he stood tall and he's solid. Uh, when I see Darcy, like for that overtime goal that came through, I mean that in the one in Montreal, which I saw and I'm going, what, wait, what? <laughs> Those are easy shots. And I remember what I was in a session there with Mitch Korn talking about if you're a goalie and the guy's taking a shot from practically the blue line, you know, almost every goalie in NHL is expected to stop that. So stop goals are a problem. But that alludes to something else I saw mentioned on the boards recently where it is a psychological thing. If you are questioning your goalie, it will change the way you play. Now, don't forget that all three of these goalies that we're talking about, Charlie, Hunter, and Darcy, uh, they are playing in front of, uh, behind exactly the same team. Now, these games, are they playing well or are they playing poorly? Well, what does factor into it is that what is their confidence in their goalie? Um, and now, Darcy, having coming off winning a Stanley Cup, I expected more out of him than a Hunter Shepard who just came up out of the minor leagues with a great record, mind you, but... That's why I'm disappointed in him. I mean, I, I want to see him succeed. I want to believe so bad. And then he'll just, oh, man, that was a soft one, Darcy. So I want to believe. I'm ready to jump on his bandwagon any day now. Um, it just, I, I see him letting it down far too frequently. Um, yeah, Charlie's had a bad game. Uh, anyway, uh, and Hunter's had a, a second period where he let four straight in. I'm going, oh, boy. <laughs> You know, um, so, yeah, uh, I think, Casey, your other point about are we uh, getting too hard on, on Darcy here in D.C., like people leave Toronto, like you pointed out, maybe, maybe you got something there, too. So, uh, but the reason I'm, I'm down on Darcy is mainly because I expected so much more. And I'm not going to put it squarely on his shoulders simply because I do know that a good percentage of that is probably in how they're coaching him. Because I remember distinctly, when I first saw Braden Holpe play in 2012 under Dale Hunter, he reminded me of Steve Penny, a goalie in Montreal who just 
completely set Montreal on fire with passion in 1984 playoffs when Montreal had no business going anywhere in the playoffs. And we took the New York Islanders in their heyday <laughs> deep into the third round. Um, and that's what, uh, you know, that's what Holby reminded me of. And then the following two years under uh, Adam Oates, I mean, it was like, oh, my God, he's terrible. And then, you know, we'd switch to Nuvi or we'd switch to Grooby. And they'd be good for a couple of games, and then suddenly they'd be terrible again. And it came out that Oates was purposely trying to get these players to play against their instincts. And so uh, he was trying to improve them is what he was saying. Well, when you micromanage the players to that extent, they're just not going to perform the way they should. One of the biggest things Mitch Korn did with Holby, and I spoke with Mitch Korn about this and Holby about this. Uh, this is, you know, when you could get talk to the players and stuff. It had to do with he's letting him play a bit more naturally. So I think that that factors into it. Anyway, those are just throwing those ideas out on the table there. I want to cut in one thing real quick. Nothing that I said was like directed at any of you all. Um, I am talking about the broader Caps fans. As we all know, we talked in depth sometimes that there's people that are just out there that almost are delusional, um, that their issues with Darcy, Darcy lives in their head. And I wanted that because like, Willem, I I, I fully do agree with you way more than I probably say. Like there, I have a lot of issues with Darcy and I'm not afraid to admit that. But I'm also saying that there is a a swath of us that are just so ready to flock to Darcy that it drives me absolute batty. Yeah, I no, I I don't think I don't think any of us uh, would have had would have had a thought like that. Um, I I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like we're we're some part of some enlightened group, and just a, a lot of us just you know have been watching well sports in general for for long enough to know how how it works. But you're you're right. There there just seems to be this this small group of fans that for whatever reason just does not seem to understand that the sport of ice hockey does not rest on how well your goalie does 110%. And that group has gotten louder and louder and louder uh, all of these years, ever since, you know, we, we started the, the, the two younger guys, Sammy and VTech. And I, I don't know, I don't know why, you know, people seem to think that that should make for an informed opinion, but it's gotten to the point where, well, there's, there's one or two people. And, and I, I pointed this out in our internal chat group. Um, there, there's one person in particular that injects himself into any argument. It doesn't matter if it started about the goalies. Now, this particular argument started about what happened under coach Laviolette. And, and all the injuries. And there was this person that insisted that, oh, no, that had nothing to do with that. That had everything to do with Darcy's play. So I think that level of insanity is is what my problem is with, with all of that. Now, getting back to a little more reality-based, is Darcy responsible for some pretty soft goals? Oh, you betcha. I'm not blind to that. I, I, I've been a supporter of his from day one. I'll admit to that, but has he not played up to his best? No, far from it. And I'm not going to make any excuses for him either. Um, but you know, I had high expectations for him too. Um, as far as, you know, the whole homework life thing, 
maybe again, and, and Casey mentioned perspective. Well, how's this for, for perspective? You know, uh, Darcy is in his you know, early 30s and he just had his first child. You have a child, it changes your life. It turns you upside down, your whole life upside down. Again, not making an excuse for him, but, you know, a little bit of perspective, maybe, you know, kind of keep that in mind. Now, with that in mind, maybe if you're the coach, you want to say, okay, you know what, do you, do you have stuff on your mind? How's the family? Do you think you need some time off? Do you think, you know, you can go and, but if you're going to, if you say you can go, we need you at your level best, especially down the stretch here. Can you do it? And he's got to, maybe he's got to be more honest with himself, you know, going, going down the road. But I, you know, I'm still willing to support the guy. I'm willing to support all three. But I, I think it's a matter of perspective. But as far as the fans go, I think, uh, unfortunately, you're going to have that insane portion that is just has gotten so loud, it's hard to block everything out. And and again, for me, that's the most frustrating part. But that's, that's just my two cents about it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll even go a step further, like with, with some of the stuff. It's like, it's not even a Darcy versus anything. But like, you even go back to the whole Sammy and Vitek piece, you know, yeah, they both weren't making a lot of money, but there was one that was a first-round draft pick and one that wasn't, right? So all of a sudden, the what the fans believed should have been how one person played as opposed to the other caused, and I don't know what the, what it is about D.C., but they everybody is in love with the backup. I don't care if it's NFL. I don't care if it's hockey. <laughs> they are in love with the backup, and they will go to the ends of the earth to sit there and try and back, you know, uh, you know, back the backup to a certain degree to with stats that you know. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, like Darcy. The reason Darcy people are looking at Charlie and Hunter is because probably to a certain degree they are playing a little bit better this year than than uh, Darcy is. Um, small sample size for all three, um, you know, and has Darcy let in a couple of softies? Yes, he has, um, you know, but they also look at it and say, well, Charlie's making like 1 million and Darcy's making 5 million. So Darcy should be five times better than, than Charlie, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, there is that psychological piece to it that when players get a much bigger, contract there's more expected of them and when they aren't performing better than their backups then people start to think well maybe the backup is should should be the now the starter but the fact of the matter is is charlie's only played x amount of games you know they might have figured out a hole in darcy's game right now because he's played for so many games throughout the years i mean i've been able to figure out something on charlie jeff jeff or hunter give it time and maybe they will and then we'll be talking about something different uh with those two you just simply don't know, um, you know. So there's definitely that psychological piece that comes into it in terms of some people who either are a high draft pick or somebody who has made a lot of money. There's much more expected of them than somebody who's necessarily the backup. So Casey, to your point with like the psychological piece, yes, definitely. I think that's something that's very valid. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I think I think we're going to go ahead and um, close the 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 goalie discussion. Uh, God knows we we <laughs> not just us, but on other 
podcast episodes, we've you know talked about that to, to death. But I mean, I, I'll, I'll end it with this. Uh, if you are if you are looking at just their performance, no matter who's in net and saying that's where the game is won and lost, you are not watching the games. I, I'm telling you, you are not watching the actual games. You are not catching the nuances of the games. This is all becoming this is all being a part, becoming a better fan of the game. You're not catching you know, where the games are actually won and lost in, in the trenches, along the boards, behind the net, you know, is like Willem said, is somebody willing to go behind the net and start a play there? Is somebody willing to take a hit to make a play? Is somebody willing to not putz around with the puck and actually rush headlong into the zone in the straight lines? Like Joe B and Locker said last night about how the forwards were playing. You know, that's where the games are won and lost, mostly not because a goalie is off. And, you know, I, I think these these fans that hyper focus on that just lose out. And, uh, you know, as, as much as they tick me off, I actually kind of feel sorry for them because they can't, you know, they have that horrible tunnel vision. But, you know, that that's on them. Um, so that was uh, OK. So that was uh, kind of Casey's little uh discussion point there that he was able to throw out. So uh, uh, Willem and or Doug, uh, we got some time left. Uh, either one of you wanted to throw something out there that we haven't talked about already, maybe? Yeah, I'll throw something real quick. And it's just sure. to, to the whole group. What are you most excited for for the future? Like, let's, like from a positive standpoint, what are you guys most excited for for the Caps? And the rest of this year into the next couple of years, what are you most excited I, I've got an, a couple ideas, but I want to I want to let our, our our other two panelists kind of jump in if they've got something. I think for me the the thing I'm looking forward to mostly right now is um is, is, and it's what helped get get me through last season too is watching Obi knock down some milestones. I'd like to see him retire as a cap. Uh, I know that's going to happen within a couple of years, so. But I would like to see him knock down just a few more records uh, and and retire as a cap with honor as we make our transition, like you guys pointed out. So that's one of the exciting points, too. All the while, uh, you know, fine-tuning and honing our new talent and maybe bringing in a new core group of players because some of the new ones look in their own right like they might be a whole new breed of talent. I know in Montreal, for instance, they've got a couple of young players that, yeah, these are the new core of the team. And, and so that's very exciting there. And we have it for ourselves as well. So, um, you know, and, and the last thing just to throw there, I, you know, I know, Casey, you weren't mentioning anything uh, directed at us specifically. And I, I completely agree with the entire group here as far as fans, you know, being a little bit too volatile or, or you know, you're angry, so you just say angry stuff. Um, you know, it, it is, after all, a form of entertainment at, at the end of the day. And if you can see the good in it and, and enjoy the game for what it is, uh, and that's every play in every way, um, then then you're going to get a lot more out of this game, win or lose. When I came down here from Montreal, we, the last cup Montreal won was 1993, and there was a whole bunch of years where I just stopped watching them after uh, – you know, they just kept, they got real bad for a long, long time. And, um, you know, when I came on here, I started watching the Caps and, you know, it was, 
much better team than their reputation had it, you know, when it came down. Um, you know, Montrealers would talk about the so-called lowly caps. And I go, wait a minute. And then I read Ted Starkey's book about Red Rising to see about the rebuild that happened at the beginning of the 2000s. And now there's this whole era of a really great contender team, which I'm glad I'm a fan of. So what I'm excited in the future is seeing the transition, uh, seeing our great players uh, retire with honor. And, um, you know, I, I, I just enjoy watching the game. So that, that's where I'm headed with this. Things that have me excited for the future. Um, and outside of just Obi, because, I mean, like, how could you not be excited for the possibility of getting to witness a historical event like that and greatness at, at, at all costs. I mean, it's just, it's amazing, but I'll tell you what has me excited uh, is prospects. And I know Willem mentioned Montreal and their prospects. And I'm telling you right now, I'd give my kidney and several other vital organs and like years of paychecks. If we could find a way to acquire Cole Caulfield. Cause I'm just, I, I love that young man. Um, probably one of my favorite players in the league currently. Um, but it's, it's our, what I'm considering a new core. There's, there's certain players that I look at and I'm like, okay, I think that we've got something with a certain group of players. And I'm sorry if you guys hear Kingsley, he's, he's down here at my feet and he's, that's are always welcome. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I look at Tom Wilson and I look at Dylan Strom and I look at, you know, for me, I know he hasn't been super great thus far the season, but he, he is better than most of what we got in Sonny Milano, Connor, Hendricks LaPierre, those guys right now, and I, I mean, I even consider Rasmus Sandin in this. To me, that's a new core. Um, that's something you can build around. And all of those guys give me a lot of hope. Uh, you know, like you talked about Connor Sherry being like one of uh, GMBM's biggest successes. I think Dylan Strome, man, how do we not give him super credit for that? Um, that has me so excited. Like that core that chord to me could be in Ovi's final days. What gets him the thought of seeing another cup is those players. You know, you've got a, you know, like my favorite top line we've played is Dylan Strome, Tom Wilson and Ovi. Like, I think that, that, that line's amazing. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of what my, my hope and my joy is coming from in the team right now is watching those young guys kind of come together and, and be something. And I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, I, I have a lot of hope in this team just in in general because, you know, through the good and the bad, we we have a team that has heart and we have a good fan base of the true, like, super loyal fans that actually care about the game and, and the team beyond just the record. I think that there's always going to be pride in the caps. And maybe, you know, I'll get to witness my own Rock the Red era. And I think that's what's got me excited. All right. Yeah. Uh, what what I'm excited about is the prospect of, well, I, I think it all started with last year's draft, last offseason's draft, when they picked up, well, actually the, the, year, the years before, when they first drafted Baroshnichenko. And, I mean, it takes, well, first of all, it takes it takes a lot to come back from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It takes a lot to come back from any injury. For him to come back and be playing professional hockey within two years 
is is totally amazing. Um, so he's he's your one stepping stone to the future. And then they drafted Ryan Leonard. And then you know, I know, and and this was said on one of the uh, Caps Redline episodes. The comparisons to Tom Wilson uh, for Ryan Leonard may not be very fair, but. If he's even something of a fraction of what Tom Wilson can deliver, and you have two of that, two players of that ilk, one one a younger version, patrolling the ice in two years, then then that's a win. And that's another reason why I mentioned it before. I think the season after next, I have very high hopes because you're going to have a lot of the younger guys that are on the roster now, like McMichael, like Strom, um, have more years under their belt. And you're going to have the even younger guys get even more time and, and build an even stronger foundation. I think once that all comes together, I think you're going to have one hell of a hockey team that is not only going to you know, threaten triple-digit points in the regular season, but be a threat in the Stanley cup playoffs as well. Um, so I've long since thought youth was the answer. Well, you're going to have uh, an explosion of youthful talent that is either going to be just starting and be that hungry. And also some that are going to have some years under their belts. And hopefully they'll management will have figured out which of the older guys will be worth keeping to continually provide that mentorship and that steadying hand when they do face adversity and every great team does. So that's what excites me the most about this team is the possibility within the next one, two, three years. Now, beyond that, um, if, if the younger guys continue to develop, then they'll, they'll, pr- they'll probably be pretty good for, you know, beyond that. But I think if, if everything develops the way it should, and again, it's not just Ovi because that's, that's I'm sorry, that, that I love Ovi and I love it that he's doing his best to stay healthy and, and chasing the record. But is it a tragedy if he doesn't get the record? I don't think it is. He's already proven he's the best goal scorer of this generation, perhaps of all time. And the fact that he's even in the conversation, you know? He's he's already he's already proven everything that he's had to prove, at least to me. And if, if you say that he's not in the conversation, that he's not worthy of being even discussed with some of the greats, then then you don't know hockey. You don't know what you're watching. You can't claim to be any sort of an expert or even lover of the game. Um, but it's not just for Ovi that that I'm excited, even though it coincides. This all coincides with his you know, the remaining, you know, years of his career. Um, but I, I think he would be the perfect mentor for these younger guys. And I think, again, once they come all together in, in what I'm expecting to be the next two seasons, then I'm very excited. That really excites me for what they all can do together. Nice. Uh, okay. So, um, all right. So I think Willem's the only one that hasn't had a chance to throw, uh, out anything. Uh, we got a little bit of time, so. I, I just went off on my, uh, on my hopes for the future. So, um, I think, 
I'm I'm still watching every uh, every game now with with interest. I just I like to see the new systems. I want to see them speed up. So, but uh, I, I I would love to see Obi get those records. So that's kind of what keeps me going. And uh, I want I also would love enjoy participating in this group a, a great deal. Uh, just because of the level of discussion, at least here we in the reasonable and enjoyable, and we're actually exchanging ideas. And and that is what uh, what what I enjoy here. I've long outgrown all the you know twenty something locker room talk, so <laughs> this is very refreshing. <laughs> well, thank thank uh, thank you guys, each and every one of you, for your your contributions and in, in your time. And yeah, Willem, I I enjoy putting out this forum, uh, you know, as as much as you enjoy being a part of it. And I, look, I'll, I'll admit. I can't thank you guys enough, but I'll admit when I first started this thing, this all, I, I've mentioned this a few times before, this all was just, you know, a, a cheap way of, 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 you know, giving myself a chance to, you know, go to some sort of therapy because I, I wasn't in a great place in my life at the time. And, you know, I, I had a lot not going well for me and uh, hockey has always been my refuge. and so I didn't expect it to become this thing where I could share it with so many great people like you guys. Um, so again, I, I want to thank you all for, for being so willing to give of your time, you know, and, and each and every, each and every one of you has, has, has come on the show as, you know, not only as part of this panel, but as, as a guest as well. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's hard to get somebody to give up their Sunday night because there's so many things they'd rather be doing, but, you know, when it comes down to it, it's it's not just the fact that we love this team so much. It's people like you that make this all so special. So I I just want to thank all three of you once once again. Glad to be here. I have one, yeah, one last question. One last tidbit to throw. Um, you mentioned therapy, and I completely hear you loud and clear on that. Um, one of my friends from Montreal, a Montreal Canadian super fan, um, and I met her, Fanina on the internet in a, in a Canadian forum talking about hockey, but she was the sister of my next door neighbor and I never met knew her. But where I'm going with this is that she used to talk, she has season tickets to the, to the Habs. She used to call going to the games her Habs therapy. So much the same way, um, you know, our love for our sports teams and the Washington Capitals is a form of therapy and being able to share it with, uh, with you guys and especially a decent level of conversation. Um, really helps me too. Well, I'm I'm truly glad to hear that and you know what what really what really kind of sets me over the moon is is when you know both of you guys in 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 our private chat room just now both of you guys uh Willem and Doug uh both of you just mentioned how how fun it was you know you know just just to be able to do this and you know we're you know, we're uh we're a small potatoes podcast. We're not blowing down any doors as far as number of downloads and audience. Um, I like to say we have something of a small cult following, but I mean, that that's where it's at for me. If, if somebody, you know, comes on our show and says, Hey, this, this was really great. This, this was fun. And, and I want to do it again sometime that, that that's where it's at. So I, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. I echo their sentiments as well. I just wasn't checking my phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, um, but yeah, ahead. I really, I really do appreciate this opportunity, Gil. You know, 
I echo what Willem said. You know, I got into to hockey during the pandemic, um, which was a trying time for all of us in, in many various different ways. And I got – this is going to sound crazy. I got into hockey because the Wizards were breaking my heart so much. Um, <laughs> I had, You know, I'd been a fan of the team since Jordan. I was eight years old when I became a fan of the, the Wizards, and – I, by extension, chose to watch the Caps because they were the, you know, the the sister team as far as sports goes, um, from basketball to hockey, and I fell in love with a sport that I never knew um, that I loved or could love. Um, I always thought that hockey would be something I'd never be into, and then it was, you know, more for these other places, um, you know. Cities that actually have teams and stuff, you know, and I would, I went went ice skating once in my life and swore I would never do it again. Um, so I never thought that that hockey could be a thing for me, and it ended up becoming. Um, I haven't shared this a lot. I, I really, really hurt, um, super like badly hurt my back right before we played Boston that playoffs, mm. and I almost was paralyzed. I almost lost my legs completely. And through all of that pain and all of that suffering, I loved getting to watch the team play that Boston series, even though we lost like 4-1, I think. But that was joy. And I looked forward to the next season. And I looked forward to listening to your podcast like these when I was at work. Because, you know, I didn't have kids at the school at the time, so I would sit and turn on the Power Play Point podcast, and I would just listen to you guys talk. And I fell in love with this podcast specifically, and it, it really did help me find a love and a hope for a sport. And it's in a way, you all have made me a bigger fan of D.C. because now I'm all about all the sports. I watch the Nats. I watch the Commanders. I watch, you know, I still am going to watch the Wizards, and I always will watch the Wizards. I, it's it's like a bad, toxic relationship. I just can't get out. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm thankful, and I'm thankful for this opportunity to be here with you guys tonight, and it's been great. Um, and, I, you know, I really do appreciate all of you all on this opportunity. And we appreciate you, Casey, and, and thanks so much for those kind words. I, I had no idea – uh, we we meant that to you, but uh, I I'm I'm just I'm I'm completely flushed when at at, at you're saying that because I, I I had no idea. But you know, thank thank you so much, and that's I like to think that that that's one of the reasons we you know we we keep going here. Um, all right, so I think this I think this is a good place to stop. Uh, I think uh, the the four of us could go probably on and on, you know, into the wee hours of the morning. You know, discussing this team, but I, I think uh, I'd like to think anyway. We we throw out some ideas for uh, you on the other side of the speakers, the earbuds, the what have you. Uh, you know, if you have any ideas about this team, and if there was something you you know that, that you didn't hear that you wish we did talk about, then you know we have an open door policy on on the show, and you you can have your say. If uh, you know you have a, a Sunday evening open or whatever day works for you, you are welcome to come on the show and be a guest and talk to, talk to us about it and uh, air your concerns or, or your, you know, or your praises or what, whatever's top of mind, you know, about this team that we love so much. So, um, 
just going to offer this one preview. Uh, they play the uh, the Caps do. They play the Golden Knights on Tuesday. Now, if anything, that is going to be probably the best, not if not the toughest test this version of the Caps will have. And that, so that's going to be very interesting. I hope everybody is going to be able to catch that game and watch how they play and adjust because um, – they were very worthy of winning the, the Stanley Cup. And um, it's going to be very interesting how this, you know, this team that's in a transition deals with a, a team that's playing so well right now. So if you're going to pay attention to any game, pay attention to that one and and see what you can find out is is what I would ask. All right. So going to stop it here. Uh, thank you again, uh, Willem, Doug and Casey, all three of you gentlemen for uh getting together and doing this round table. I, I tell you what, uh, if it's, if it's in, in your, all, all of your schedules, uh, let's do this again sometime soon. Absolutely. Thanks. Everybody. You ask me to us. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. No, thank, thanks so much. So I just, 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 uh, wanted to make sure. Yeah. But the, yeah, this was, this was a blast and, uh, yeah, I want, I definitely want to do it again. So, uh, for, Willem Bagus, Casey Malone, and Doug Lucerarian. This is the Blue Liner on Point signing off and reminding you that, well, some people may say I have a dad bod. You know what? I like to refer to it as a father figure. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Hallelujah, and let's go, Caps. Go Caps. Let's go Caps. This has been another episode of the Power Playpoint Podcast. All episodes are available from Apple Podcasts, the Podbean app, blueliner77.podbean.com, and now available from Stitcher. Music by Joe McAllister, voiceover by Jeffrey Conkle. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Power Play Point Podcast. Thanks for listening.